0: Hi, I'm Brian Grant, and you're listening to On Time, the Brian Grant Foundation podcast about living with Parkinson's. If you want to know more about Brian Grant Foundation, go to briangrant.org.
1: Inspiring is a word you may hear a lot when you have a disease like Parkinson's. The resiliency required to live with a life-altering disease is just unimaginable to some. Yet, it's also not uncommon for people to live with more than one serious illness. So how does a person cope with Parkinson's and one or more other conditions? In this episode, we're going to talk to our guest, Gigi Van Reisselberg, about her experience. And I'm joined by co-host Brian Grant. Hello, Brian and Gigi. Hi. Hey, Heather. How's it
0: going? No, I think it's all pretty good. I think we're all a little uh, on edge about the uh, walk, but we're looking forward to it. All of us participating in pushing one another.
1: Can't wait. I've been dreaming about. Meeting you at the finish line, shoving a microphone in your face, and asking you a lot of questions. I can't wait. But we have a few questions today. Um, Gigi, before we launch into your journey with Parkinson's, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, I'm a Portland native.
2: I live in the Northwest Hills of Portland. I've been, well, I was an athlete all, most of my life until this knocked me down. I've got three kids. The oldest of which just found out today she's going to be doing a traveling fellowship in Switzerland next year for six weeks, which is very cool. And uh, my son is in the middle and my da- other daughter is is here. And my son and daughter are here in town, which is great. Noel, my oldest, is down in Palo Alto. And my husband is not retired, but wishes he was. And he works at home, but it drives me crazy. <laughs> so, And I have two dogs. You will probably hear at some point during this podcast. Nice. And
1: when did you find out you had Parkinson's? October of 2017. So, what were your first thoughts? Oh, shi! What? I
2: was, I was devastated. I was because I was coming off of a a really big back surgery in uh, November of 2015, and then I got cancer in January of 2016, and I thought all the bad stuff was behind me. So I was very upset, and I didn't really know anything about Parkinson's. The man who died in those weeks said he couldn't treat me. So that was not a very good start to my journey with Parkinson's.
1: You, you had what many might call a triple threat going on. So I sent it, baby. I had a, oh. I it. I Yeah. You muscle felt like the sky was falling, like enough is enough. So you had the back surgery and also breast cancer and then Parkinson's. <laughs> yeah. It, you know. Thought I was done, but,
2: you know, they
1: say God only gets you what you can handle. He must think I am kick-ass. That's all I can say. Well, we know that you're fiercely, even ferociously optimistic. <laughs> does help us and helps us to get through our days and smaller things, I would say. I also noticed that there is an impressionist painter who shares your last name. Any relations? Uh, yes, my husband's side of the family. Yes. Oh, good stuff. Look, we don't have any originals, but
2: we've got a few, we've got a few prints. <laughs>
1: Wow! So Theo's in the tail. He he worked by
2: Theo. Yeah.
1: Really cool! And I know that you went to Scripps College. I did. And what did you study there? Psychology and a
2: little bit of business. Perfect for what I ended up being, which was professional sales. So
1: I could get I got inside their head and they had to they had to buy it from me. You know, Brian, we've mentioned on our podcast that you've had twelve surgeries, none of them for Parkinson's, and you know, Gigi obviously knows something about that. But what? what are your 12 surgeries about?
0: Mostly knees and shoulders and though a hernia repair in there, vasectomy, we can add that to it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, they were, they were some more minor, you no know, in and out scopes. Then I have uh, the big scar down the middle of my knee to show my total knee replacement that I had. I don't even remember what year that year it was, but I uh, It was a major surgery and also had a micro fracture in my left knee repaired with the lateral release of the tendons. And that was when I was actually playing for Portland. That's why I didn't start my third year. I was was recovering from those surgeries. But when you're an athlete and you're playing at the level I was playing at, not even at the level, when you're active, period, you're going to tend to hurt yourself and need an orthopedic surgeon and do a whole lot of rehab. Those things I can relate to. I, I, I can I can I can do that kind of work, but with Parkinson's is different. You know, there's no rehabilitation. There is that there's things that you can do to help get you through whatever season you're in with this disease. But ultimately all the work you put in and everything that you do is it's gonna eventually catch up to you.
1: Yeah. And so that affected your game. How did it affect the ability to live?
0: It uh, definitely started to affect my quality of life when I went through the first memorable bout of depression that I'd ever been through. Uh, Nine months, deep, dark depression in a hole. Couldn't do anything. Lethargy. You know, had everything right there at my feet, fishing, golfing, South Beach, you know, swimming. and I didn't want to have anything to do with any of it. I didn't know why. And so, I mean... Probably one of the biggest things other than the physical tremors and things that I've had to deal with is the 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 depression. But um yeah, you know, you get through it.
1: So there you were living the life as many people would call it. You know, you have all these things at your disposal and all these people sort of swarming around you and I've seen them do it. Even the ones who are silly enough to ask you for your autograph. I don't get that one, but, um, <laughs> so I've seen this happen and you were probably thinking, you know, what's wrong with me when in fact it wasn't something that you could control. It was not a voluntary thing that was happening to you.
0: No, it it, it was hard to explain, um, uh, especially early on before I knew that it was PD. I just thought that I was getting old, you know, because I was going into my 11th and 12th year of playing in the NBA. And so I've seen older, older gentlemen who would be on our team some of the things that they struggled with and I was struggling with them but there was something just different you know with my struggle versus the struggles I saw them going through and when other teammates and people started noticing it I knew that at some point I was gonna have to find out what was going on you know not being able to go to ESPN and do tryouts and things like that was another bomb you know dropped for me while going through the depression. But, you know, all these things are, are good for me to look back on and good for us to look back on and, and talk about it because there's right now somebody going, they're in the same position we were in back back when.
1: Right. Right. in that cycle of shame, like what's wrong with me? Why can't I get myself together? What am I complaining about? Many people have it worse and so on and so forth. It's those things that we lie to ourselves about because depression is so hard to handle. And it's something that many people do feel ashamed about, so we have this thing called the positivity brigade that will come in and tell us all the ways we need to be happy and joyful. And that's not very helpfully. They're one of the things I love about this group, including Gigi, you is we have a sense of humor about it. And yet we're not all Pollyanna. So going back to your medical trifecta for a minute, Gigi, how did you get through that period through life? When I found out I had Parkinson's, all three, like I all three of them. How'd you do that? You know, I just
2: put my head down and you no, know, my, uh, my mom was a two-time breast cancer survivor. So I figured, you know, if she could beat it, I could beat it. And back surgery was kind of an anomaly, but it, that was a tough one because I, I was depressed. I, I don't think I was clinically depressed. Although my daughter would tell you otherwise. Um, she's a physician. <laughs> I didn't drive around a year. I didn't, I wasn't able to put my own pants on. I wasn't able to tie my shoes. I mean, that was pre back surgery, and I just had radiating nerve pain all down my right leg, and I, I couldn't sit down. That was the, which meant riding in a car was excruciating. So I would go um, to my friend's house, and they'd be like, "Oh, have a seat. We're going to do this," and I would, "No, I think I'll stand. Thank you. I'll I'll, I'll be all right." And then and then the breast cancer hit, and I was like, "Okay, well, you know, Mom can beat this. I can beat this." And it's a testimony to early mammograms, yearly man- mammograms. And then I finished that and I was so stoked to just live my life. And we were planning a trip to go see my youngest daughter who was studying in Faye. And uh, we went, but I didn't, I couldn't tell her because I didn't want her to worry. And it backing up a bit, my oldest daughter, who's a physician, had, was still in med school at the time, kind of put me through my paces. I said, you know, I'm having this weird thing. And, you know, and she put me through some of the tests and she said, you need to see a neurologist. My heart just dropped. Oh God, there's something really wrong. So then I found out it was Parkinson's um, after we got back from Spain. And I kind of gathered them all together. They've been an incredible support network for me. They're just great human beings. I'm really very fortunate. And I just told them, you know, I may have Parkinson's, but it does not define me. So that's what I have adopted. And, you know... I work out, I do Pilates, I walk. Brian, if you come walk the hills with me, i would really enjoy it. And, uh, you know, I just do the best I can every day.
1: Wow. I'm just pausing here because I'm getting a little emotional thinking about what you went through and how, you, how you've done it. Um, to have that family support, it must be really nice. I'm guessing that that's yes. hard to cope with these difficult emotions. Was it hard for you to talk to other people about what you were going through outside of family?
2: Yes. Yes, I was, I was embarrassed actually, which is really a silly thing to say, you know, try to hide the tremors, put your hand in your pocket, try to, you know, you know, people would kind of look at you funny, like, what's going on there? It just, but that now I'm to the point, like, I, you know, meet somebody and they say, well, what are you doing or why are you doing this? And so, well, I have Parkinson's. And I just tell them that that's what I have. And that's, I I face it every day. And one of these days, somebody's going to figure out a cure for the damn thing.
1: Brian, can you relate to that—that that sort of loneliness that's described in, in the not being able to relate outside of the circle? There,
0: no, I absolutely relate to it. Um, and it's funny you should say you—you you were embarrassed because I, I was—I was so embarrassed, like, like it was something that I did, like I yeah. wanted it or something. And if, just having that athlete's mentality since I was a kid, and going through high school, going through college, going to NBA and that certain uh, you got to have to be able to push through things. And you, you kind of get heady and air. Er- well, not kind of <laughs> you get arrogant. I got very arrogant thinking that, you know, I'm untouchable. Look, I can get fixed up Knees these can get fixed up hernia. And then why can't all them, they fix this. Right. Yeah. You know, why can't you fix it? And then why am I so embarrassed about it? Because as much as I don't, don't like to think of being vain in the way I look or pers- the public perceives me. I'm absolutely vain because that's all I'm ever shoved into. Yeah. Look, look this is Brian Grant. Place, Brian Grant. This, Brian. and so there's no reason whatsoever for me to, to feel embarrassed. For us, for us to feel embarrassed, but it's just something natural, I think, that we go through until we. I can get to the point where. I'm okay, but I'm six nine too. I also know that I'm walking like Andre the Giant through there with a the little twist. So yeah. th- th- there are things that, you know, I can joke about it now. Like, I wouldn't joke with you three, four years ago about it. It's, mm-hmm. it. it's taken that long to kind of shed the vanity.
1: It's a hard thing to shed. Yeah. Well, for example, with basketball anyway, or, you know, you mentioned you did sports, too. I'm um, Like, we're, we're noted for our speed, our agility, our smoothness of movement, our gracefulness. And now all of a sudden, we're very stiff and sort of angular and moving in strange ways. I mean, I've become, maybe I always was, one of the most awkward people. Like, I was just telling Katrina and Brian before we got on this podcast, I was just telling them how I was cut off at a bar last night before I had even ordered a drink. Seriously? But I approached the bar and, and she's like, I'm sorry, I can't serve you, ma'am. And I said, why I'm ordering Coke? Like, I don't drink. Like, what? She's like, uh huh. I can't serve you. Sorry. What was that? Are you in Portland? Yeah. But the funny part of it was I couldn't even get angry because I was super dyskinetic like I am right now. And I had been, you know, I've been struggling physically. But anyway, back to the speed and the agility. As a former dance teacher, I can understand why people would be a little bit ashamed because we built a lot of our personality around that swagger, having that you know, walking in the room being smooth, like, you know, picture any great dancer suddenly not being able to move correctly. It's very similar. That was a really, really
2: good skier. Really good skier. I did Uh, ski last year, but my, my double black diamond days, I'm afraid are behind me. Double black diamond? They're behind me. I'm not doing that anymore, but I used to, I mean, I've skied my whole life and it's one of, it's one of my passions and I'm going to have to readjust it a little bit
0: that's got to get to Kevin Hart. Damn.
2: (laughs) Well, you know, (laughs) my husband tells him to slow down the chair so I can get on without falling off. (laughs) And they do. They're really nice about it.
1: Yeah. You deserve a little break. Somebody's got to give us a break sooner or later, right? Exactly. He certainly won't slow down for us at any other time. Yeah. I was was just thinking that, you know, I know firsthand how hard it is to manage health care for chronic health conditions. And You know, how did you find the experience of managing your care and medications for these multiple conditions? Just wrote everything down and followed it.
2: I just, you know, didn't want to miss any appointments. Made all my appointments. Made sure I was checked into my calendar, and uh, I had them early in the day so I could get rid of get get them behind me. And uh, the chemo was really a trip because I, uh, I'd started seeing an acupuncturist for my back, and she is phenomenal. And I call her my favorite witch doctor. She's, she's glorious. Anyway, I had my first chemo and I had an appointment with her the next day and I was sick. I was so sick. And I texted her that I can't, I can't make it. There's no way. And she said, this is exactly why we scheduled this appointment. You know, you need to get down here. So I never go anywhere in my pajamas and my slippers, but I went down there in my pajamas and my slippers. My husband drove me down, And she came out and got me into her her office, which is an old house in northwest Portland. And got me up on the table because I still couldn't get up on myself for my back surgery. And three hours later, I wasn't sick anymore. I wasn't, you know, it was was not pretty. Let's just put it that way. And my blood pressure was back up. I had color in my cheeks. And she said, and I've ordered you some fob, And this is where you go get it. They're expecting you. Oh, and an avocado milkshake. And so, my husband came and got me, and we went and got the food, and I went home and I ate it. And I, I mean, I was like a new woman. It was amazing. So, I continue to see her. I saw her this morning, actually, uh, weekly. And she, is, I can walk in with you know real rigidity or bad tremors, and she, it, she doesn't make them go away permanently, but she certainly stops them temporarily. And my sister in law had a. Back surgery this summer, and she had ambulatory problems. She couldn't walk. She went in in a wheelchair, and she saw Ella, and she walked out. I mean, it's, she's amazing. So that's, that's really helped me. And I just try to line up my meds. You know, I'm not taking a lot of meds, but I am taking stuff every day. What does Ella call her practice?
1: Hands-on. I mean, what type computer. of, like, what
2: modality is it? Like She's acupuncture and massage. Great. I yeah. highly
1: recommend those two, too, but I've never heard of this. I it. not It's amazing. It's yeah. amazing. Yeah. Wow. Brian, have you seen this healer?
0: I have not seen her healer, but she sounds exactly like my healer. Philippe Manicombe, rest in peace. Uh, he was from Guadeloupe in the French Caribbean. and I met him in Miami, and once I met him, you know, I... I'd, I tried two other acupuncturists up until the time I moved to Miami and they were quacks. They were putting like one, one, one acupuncturist who put needles in, put little uh, electrodes to the thing and turn it on. And my hand would start going like this. He goes, see, that's the needle killing it. And I said, dude, I guess I get muscle stim every morning, every day. I'm a professional athlete. I know what are muscles. You're just basically stimulating me with electric current. So I, I thought they were full of, full of crap. I didn't think they worked. And then I met this guy. I went to the, the, the piers to buy some fresh fish from the fishing boats. He said, man, just let me try you one more time. I said, I don't really believe any. He goes, just one try. One try was it. And when I would have a tough ball game, which was damn near every night in Miami because of the workload we had, he'd had to meet me at my house. And I'd crawl up on the on his table. He threw one between the eyes, threw one on my knee, and then hit one in my ear and twist it and I just Ugh. out.
2: And I think their Naps are the best.
0: Yes. Wow. Yeah, I need the information, please. Yeah. Like I'd love get our contact off of you.
1: So okay. a, a skilled practitioner can make all the difference and we try every healing modality we can find with Parkinson's. We will we will try just about anything. And I have tried to about anything. So I was wondering, what about, like, I know that exercise is number one for most of us. And Katrina tells us that your basement looks a little bit like an REI store. So, that's <laughs> not so clearly, I mean, being active is important to you. So yes. how does this add to the picture of your management?
2: It just forces me to get out every day and do something. Mm-hmm. I, I do Lotties twice a week. Um, I've recommitted to three weights. Um, and I, I, I love where I where I live. I can just walk up the hill and I'm in the trails and forest park, which is really awesome. And so I, I know those like the back of my hand. And it, I just make sure I do something every single day. Rain or shine. Some days my dogs will, don't want to go out because it's too rainy. So I have to go out without them. And some days
1: your dogs are barking, right, Brian?
0: Yeah, I'm on. Uh, <laughs> yeah, two dogs I had, I'm looking at them now. They're pretty rough. But, yeah. Man. Here's all my here's all my dogs' days.
2: A lot of slumber. Oh.
0: Yeah, he knocked out. He's like, yeah. I don't have. i got I've got young
2: dog. They don't they don't. My my big dog just got fade last week, and yeah. I've been trying to sedate her. And medicine says it works, so I got more medicine, higher dose, different medicine yesterday. Gave it to her. I went to take her out before
1: I put her to bed. She was walking like she was drunk. She was just like. <laughs> oh. So we finally found one that worked. Did she give you the the stink eye like? You did this to me. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> Remember that I do not like the cone of shame. Oh, She, no.
2: she doesn't need a cone. Oh, first time I've ever seen no, no oh. cone. Not, not licking the incision. Not chewing on it. Nothing. It's why wow. I, I know. Apparently, anyway, cool. he could be like that. <laughs> I know. I feel like
1: days I have the cone of shame on. <laughs> <laughs> <See>? <laughs> like, yeah. I know one place that we want not have the cone of shame. The Portland to Coast relay team. What made you decide to participate? I think we have the same the same reason, Jenny.
0: Yeah, <laughs> Jenny, Jenny. Jenny definitely played a part in it, but I, I was I was hornswoggled. You know, I was I, I was yeah. i, I, Don't I, mean, I was, uh, yeah, you go in a bar and they hit you over the head with a club, and you wake up <laughs> on a boat.
2: Those are the Shanghai tunnels, downtown
0: Portland. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Katrina. Yeah, okay, Shanghai. Well, there's a horn swaggle up. I'm going to look it up. I know that's a word, I mean, I've heard it before. But anyway, <laughs> this 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 gal, Katrina, it's just talking to me and, you know, nonchalantly says, Yeah, I think I brought a store on Hood the Coast. I go, Oh, man, okay, great. No, she can't be talking to me because I can't run. I don't know how to run. And then they went from Hood to Coast to Portland the Coast to such and such is doing it. And what do you think? I said, well, I think it could be fun. And that was the last input I got on it. I was on the team getting, getting my socks and sleeping bag and everything together, but it's going to be fun though. It's going to be a good time. I think.
1: And any hopes or fears about the race for you, either of you?
0: Well, I, I just don't, I just hope that I'm able to finish both my legs With it. There's going to be problems. It's, you know, we got PD. Something's going to happen, but I just hope I'm able to to finish both both legs. That's that's my goal.
2: Ring too. And I talked to a man that I know because he sees the same uh, polite, I guess, the same Pilates instructor that I have, and we follow each other sometimes. And he said that there, be, at night watch the Edge of the Oslo because. Sometimes it's a really sharp drop off and you don't want to twist an ankle or knee or something. So get your headlamp on.
0: Got it. And for
2: anyone listening who might be struggling with multiple health issues, what's your advice for them? Positive attitude. You've got to just look forward, look look past what's happening and look towards the future and hope that it's going to be better. Mm. Part of what helped me through a lot of the, Chemo stuff with my kids. Now they came home. They were both at U of L. They alternated weekends coming home Just just sit with mom. You know, my like 19 year old son, 20 year old son, sitting on the bed with me watching stupid movies. It was awesome. So, you've got to just believe. It's got to get better.
1: You believe in Heather? I know everything is temporary.
2: Yeah, it is. Life is short. We got to just, Definitely. we got to stride through this best
1: we can.
0: I can't believe I'm fifty.
2: Jenna, you're a baby.
0: I I know, right? But in my mind, I'm a like baby. Baby, I'm like thirty-two, maybe. <laughs> okay, man. So well,
2: when my when my daughter turned thirty, I said, "That's it. No, what birthday's for you. You can
1: have them, but we're not celebrating them."
0: <laughs> yeah, I hear you.
1: Any words of wisdom you want to leave the audience with?
0: If Katrina's call's number shows up on your phone.
1: Uh,
0: don't answer. <laughs> yeah, do answer. Push it to push it to voicemail. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: John, that's that's my advice. What you got, Gigi?
2: You just got to believe. We got to keep moving forward and believe that someday this is going to break. And in all the things that we that we do in order to live with this insidious disease, is going to be worth it at some point. And if not for us, for somebody else. And I agree, Donald will still pick up for Katrina. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: thank you we're here with gg van reisselberg and what were your final thoughts when you crossed the line today
2: oh my god i'm finally here <laughs> <laughs> longest seven miles of my life was it yes but I'm, i did it and i wasn't gonna stop so i just kept on going but it was it was tough
1: You've shown your perseverance and your tenacity in many ways. You're an athlete. You never give up. You always keep a good attitude. And you lift the rest of us. Thank you for being such an important and joyful part of our team. And thank you for inviting us to your home. Lastly, do you want to dedicate your walk to anyone?
0: You.
2: Aww. Dedicate my walk to Heather. She inspires us all as well. This is a huge... Which is great.
1: Thank you.
2: And we'll do it again. We'll be back next year. And we're going to put... We're going to get a sprinter van. So in case it rains, <laughs> I'm not sleeping in the back of a van with three guys in front of me.
1: <laughs> yeah, stinky feet. Oh, stinky. Everything. <laughs> and they snore. And they say that we can't smell with Parkinson's, but some things are potent, things potent enough to break the Everything.
2: <laughs> so, yeah, it was it was great, though. I, and I'll do it again. I look forward to doing it again.
1: Thank you. The Brian Grant Foundation empowers people impacted by Parkinson's to lead active and fulfilling lives. Help support our efforts at briangrant.org. A special thank you to Raphael Sadiq for providing the music for this podcast and to Market of Choice for sponsoring the Portland to Coast team. This podcast is produced by Brian Griggs. Learn more at griggsproductions.com.